God, you guys listen to that idiot who said it was going to be a boring train deadline, especially for the Guardians. I would hate to listen to that guy's thoughts after the Guardians made a really interesting trade. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. everybody. Welcome to Lockdown Guardians, the podcast that predicted the Guardians would do absolutely nothing at the trade deadline, nothing interesting at all. And here we are talking about a trade. I'm Justin Ladder, your host. Thanks for listening. Thanks for liking Lockdown Guardians, your first listen today and everywhere, every day, everywhere you can get podcasts, all for free, no matter where you go. The Guardians did not give away Aaron Savali for free, thankfully. Look, a lot of people are really up in arms about this trade. You got half the corner of the internet who is like, ah, oh, why did the Guardians trade Aaron Savali? They're a half game out of first place. What are they doing? They have no pitching. And the other half is like, great, another trade with the Rays. Jake Bowers went really well. Then you got people who are like, ah, you know, maybe this guy will be good. I don't know. You can't please everybody. Uh, nobody's, nobody's really happy. Maybe some people are really happy. This is one of those trades that, that really takes a lot of nuance and context. And I hope that's, that's why you're here. That's why you're listening. Um, want to let you know why you're listening. Today's episode is brought to you by game time. Download the game time app, create an account, lose locked on MLB. You're going to get $20 off your first purchase. When you do that, maybe you want to get tickets to. Kyle Manzardo's MLB debut, whenever that may be. Um, I think the important thing here to note about this trade is that this is not, it, it goes two ways. Like I'm going to say it's not a, not a seller's trade. It's not a, well, we're punting 2023. This is it. Look next to next year. In a lot of ways, it definitely is. There's definitely some contact. There's definitely some, some connotations of that without a doubt. But it's not a it's not a, a trade that you're also saying we're going for it this year either, or it's not a trade that um, it suggests they just don't want to win. This is a a trade that I think is is not dependent on the division race right now. The Guardians very rarely, in the last several years, have ever put one foot into the deep end one way or the other. If you go back to after the 07 team, you know, 08, 09, you know, you did have the Cliff Lee trades, the Victor Martinez trade. Those all hurt. Nobody liked those. They were unpopular for a long time. Those were clear sellers trades. That was, hey, these guys, the CC Sabathia trade. Those were all guys they were, they were punting for the next four years on. The Bartolo Colon trade, all that stuff. That's punting far down the road. This not isn't necessarily that kind of trade because Kyle Manzardo, we're going to talk about him later. He could help you next year. And Aaron Savali, while you do have him under contract for you know another two and a half years, command-wise, there's a lot of things going on there that made sense for the Guardians to capitalize on the opportunity. And that's why I'm saying this trade is not division race specific because the Guardians could have made this trade up 
10 games, they could have made it back 10 games. Didn't really matter. And, and let's also remember, too, if we're going to talk about the division race, the Guardians are not in the race in any other division. The NL Central, they'd be in it. He, this team is not in this in the ALNL Central. They are not competing for a playoff spot this year, most likely. So that would be a reason to make the trade. That would be race-specific. This is not division race-specific because, again, this is a trade the Guardians could have made no matter whether, whether they were in first place or last place. And it would look a lot easier to make that trade because if you had a healthy pitching staff, like – if Shane Bieber and Tristan McKenzie are doing their thing and they're healthy and you're not worried about that kind of stuff, then you can make this trade and say, yeah, it doesn't matter. You know, and the thing that hurts is that, yeah, Kyle Manzardo is not really helping you win this year. He's not. So this trade does hurt the guardians in 2023. I don't think we can make a mistake about that. Um, but you're capitalizing on the value of Aaron Savali. This is a very unique trading deadline. And again, the Guardians, like I was saying, are not a team that is in full buy or sell mode. 2016, they were clearly all in. They were buying. 2017, same thing. 2018, didn't really do a whole lot of buying, but they they were in on, you know, they got Josh Donaldson, made some other trades, you know, they got uh, they got Brad Hand that year. They were all in on those years. So Cleveland does have windows where they are all in. They are not selling uh, or they are not, you know, towing the line between buyer and seller. This is one of those trades. They are still trying to tow that line. They are, they are opportunistic about these sorts of things. And Aaron Savali represented a player who was at his peak value. He had to, he had two and a half years of control left or two and a third, whatever you want to call the rest of the season. He was pitching at his best that he's ever pitched. And, he's been healthy at least for the last couple of starts. He's already been injured this year before they, they moved Savali at his peak. They looked at the training deadline and they said, there are no pitchers on the market that are, that are coming with the, the cost control of Aaron Savali. So they took a look at the market. What sell, what sellers were getting for rental players for rental pitchers. Now, Aaron Savali is not Max Scherzer. You know, he's not any of those kind of uh, players. So they capitalized on a guy who had club control left, came at a very cheap cost at club control, and they did it at a, at a with a guy who has never pitched a full season before. He has constantly been injured. Um, long, you know, some of these have been a little more serious than others. You know, he's had some some forearm, some you know other elbow issues. He's he's nothing nothing too serious, but he's had a lot of other you know, dings and dents in terms of like a glued injury, a, a hamstring injury, just other, other things that have popped up. They capitalized on his value for a guy. They probably felt like wasn't going to hold up over the next two and a half years. They weren't going to pay. And they went out and acquired a player. They really liked who can help them next year. And he fills a serious organizational need. Now we're going to talk about whether or not this is going to pan out. We're going to talk about the hitter that is, that is Kyle Manzardo. You can have questions about that, and I get that, and it's okay to have those questions. But this is really just trying to jump the market. This is really trying to say this is a player that we can get a good prospect for in return who can help us next season, and 
we didn't feel comfortable with with going forward with Savali in terms of his injury history, and he wasn't going to get any higher value. This was a unique opportunity to make that deal. We've been saying for months now, doesn't make you know a month now since the Shane Bieber injury, doesn't make sense to trade Aaron Savali. And I know people say they're a half game out of first place. They are. And Common Zardo's not going to help you win the division race in 2023. Is Aaron Savali, how far is Aaron Savali taking you this year? And I get, like I, I've been saying the last couple episodes too, that better to make the playoffs than not. If they can kind of make some moves to try to help themselves this year, maybe they still will. I don't know. I was the guy who was sitting here telling you that they weren't going to make any moves. If they did, they're going to be very insignificant. This is a significant move in terms of, you know, the guy that represents the the one starting pitcher still in the rotation from opening day. But, you know, with a guy with that injury history, the Guardians have been so focused on getting out from under pitchers before they kind of, I don't want to say expire is not the right word, but before they they break down a little more. I mean, Corey Kluber, the Trevor Bauer thing, you know, that's, that's its own animal. Mike Clevenger, Carlos Carrasco hasn't really been – Super healthy, hasn't been great this year. Maybe they can still find a way to get Carlos Carrasco back this year. The Mets clearly, the Mets are clearly selling. Uh, they still are going to try to win next year, but for this year, they are definitely selling. There's no doubt, and then they are they should sell because they're not anywhere near a playoff spot. But yeah, this is this is a trade. I think the Guardians could have made ten games up or ten games down. Now, I will say, if they're ten games up and their rotation is as it is, they're definitely not making this deal because. You know, this is a guy that's going to help you. You're going to need for the postseason. You're in it. Um, but again, if if they had Bieber healthy, if they had McKenzie healthy, doing their thing, and you've got you know Gavin Williams and Logan Allen and Tanner Bybee, and and even Cal Quantrill, who was a good piece last year, you could still make this trade doing that because you've got other healthy rotation pieces. Now they probably were were and are going to explore Shane Bieber trade in the offseason, depending on his health situation. You took advantage of a guy whose peak was high, and instead of getting quantity back, they went with a one-player return. Does that mean they got quality? Does that mean the market wasn't super strong for Savali? It sounds like there were other suitors out there for him. They took a guy they they felt was going to help them in the long term as soon as next year. And again, I said, I know that kind of hurts them in the short term this year. But I don't think it really matters. I think this is all about the opportunity represented by Savali's peak on the trading market. There's not a lot of guys in the market like Savali right now in terms of club control and the Rays needed a starter and rental prices were high. And it was like, well, why would you pay for a rental if you can get a guy under cost control? And the Rays were the right team to do that with because obviously they run a low payroll and they wanted club control, cost control in Savali. So this is a deal for both teams that is capitalizing on an opportunity. There weren't a lot of players like Savali in the market. The Rays obviously have a ton of injury concerns with their pitching staff. Um, they've got a lot of guys on in the injury list right now as well as the guard, this way the Guardians do as well. The, guard, the Rays are hoping they can get a couple of these guys healthy at the same time to make a run in the postseason. They're in. They had a great start to the year. The Guardians are not running away with this division this year. And I don't know that they're going to have enough pitching to, to hang on in this division race. You're going to hope that that you get a couple of guys back healthy and it works out. Now you're banking on some 
the rookies even more, even though you keep saying you want to get them some some rest and you want to control their innings a little bit. I don't know if he can do that now. So, yeah, this is definitely not going to help them in 2023. It's not going to hurt them as much as you think. And, yeah, I know Savali's pitched really good the last couple of starts, and he's been, you know, arguably their, their 1A and 1B with Tanner Bybee. But this is a bet on getting out from under Savali before his value went down and getting a player who they think can help long-term as soon as next year. So it, it's very complicated. I, I, think this, I think the division race really doesn't factor in here. You know, I know some people are going to say, well, if they were up 10 games in the division, they could make, they wouldn't make this trade. If you're up 10 games in the division, I assume McKenzie and Bieber are healthy. And if Savali's pitching the way they do and you've got the rookies you got, I think you can capitalize. Maybe the return's different. Maybe like you're getting a couple different pieces. Maybe there's a piece that can help you this year. Like the Trevor Bauer deal. Remember, they got Fran Mil Reyes and they got Yasil Puig. They got a couple minor leaguers. The minor leaguers did not help them. Puig was a little bit helpful, man, and Fran Mill certainly had his moments as well. Um, the Guardians opted for for quality here for one one piece of the return instead of multiple. And again, I know those pieces helped you in 2019, but they made that trade to kind of restack the deck in 2019, and they were still a good team in 2019. They didn't make the playoffs, but they had it and 93 wins. I don't know if this team's going to do that, but um I don't know if Aaron Savali was really going to get them where they wanted to go in the postseason. Anyway, remember, remember a year ago when Aaron Savali, you know, pitched game five of the LDS and everyone was mad about it and didn't pitch well. And now all of a sudden, you know, he is, I, I know everything, everything matters in context. The divisions, the, the, the rotation's not healthy. So I think you just remove the situation completely from this trade. And you just look at it as, this guy's got great value. He's not really going to be a part of our future. We've got, you know, rookie pitchers we want to bring along eventually, and we really need some hitters in this this, this system. The offense is bad. This is a guy we think can help fix that next year, and we're making this trade whether or not we're wherever we are in the division. Division is, is a separate thing. So that's why I think it doesn't really factor into this at all. Let's talk a little bit more about Kyle Manzardo, his impact at first base, what kind of player he can be, how this affects the other first base on the roster, and how the Guardians are going to replace Aaron Savali at this time, all coming up on Lockdown Guardians. Maybe you want to see Kyle Manzardo's MLB debut. Maybe that's next year. Maybe not. Uh, whatever event you're trying to go to, it's the end of the summer. You want to get those tickets. Don't worry about it. Whenever the event is, because you can forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for any games. The hall of fame games coming up. You could probably get tickets on there and you don't have to worry about getting them too far in advance. You wouldn't have had to worry about planning. So with game time guarantee, you will always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less of any of those events, Game time is going to credit you 100%, 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress with the Game Time app. Download the Game Time app today. Create an account and use Lockdown MLB. You're going to get $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Lockdown MLB for $20 off that first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. 
But by the time you're listening to this, Guardians and Astros will have already played game one of their series. Not going to cover that in this one, obviously, because we're going to focus on the trade today of Aaron Savali. So come back on Tuesday and you can hear some Guardians and Astros talk. But listen to the game at 810 on your SiriusXM app. Just search Guardians on that app. Okay. Cal Manzardo. I know everyone not super thrilled about trading with the Rays. I know everyone is going to look at the Jake Bauer stuff. I'm sorry. I, I feel however you want, but I think that's a lazy take. I think it's a lazy take to go right to the Jake Bowers thing, to go to the all the trades they've made with them. I think it's a lazy take. No, nobody is, is dealing with them in that context, okay? I know they haven't done well in trades with the Rays, and I know Jake Bowers wasn't a good prospect, but you didn't end up didn't end good here. He was a good prospect at one time. You got to take those things out of the, the context of these deals. It is lazy, and there are no teams in baseball who operate that way. And you might say, well, maybe they should, because it's not working out for them. It's not how this works. Cal Manzardo and Jake Bowers are very different players. Um, Jake Bowers ran an absurdly high ground ball rate in the minors. Kyle Manzardo gets the ball in the air quite a bit. And in fact, he has never had a, a, a season in the minors. Okay. Except for 2021. And, and it was what uh, 13 games in the complex league. So outside of, of 13 games in the complex league, which you all know, I hate and has no value. Uh, he's never had a, a season where he's hit more ground balls and fly balls. This is a guy who gets the ball in the air. He makes a lot of contact. And I know you might say, Oh, the guardians have a lot of guys that make contact and none of it goes very far. I think Manzardo hits the ball harder than a lot of guys at the major league level for the Guardians right now, aside from guys like, you know, Josh Naylor and and sometimes Jose Ramirez. I mean, we're talking about a guy who, let's see, max exit velocity this year in AAA, 111.9. Average exit velocity is 90. Uh, launch angle of about 20, which is good. It means he gets the ball in the air. Hard hit rate of 48%. 48% hard hit rate is not a joke. That is that is pretty good. Um I don't know that he has above average raw power. What I th- what I do think is different here is, look, the Guardians have a lot of Stephen Kwans. They have a lot of Tyler Freemans. They have a lot of guys who have 40-grade power, right? That's below average power. I think Kyle Manzardo is more like fringe average to average. And I think you can maybe unlock above average with that. The Guardians are hoping for like guys like Kwan and, and, and Freeman to go from 40 to 45, whereas I think you're more likely on Manzara to be like a 45 to a 50 and into a 55, depending on how, how good you feel about that. So the range of power there is a little bit different. Like you're you're taking – and for context, that's the 2080 scouting scale where 40 is below average, 45 is fringe, 50 is average. And you're talking 8 to 10 homers for like a Kwan Freeman type. With Manzardo, you're talking like, you know, 12 to 15 range, 12 to 18 range. And with a little bit of, you know, extra work, you're talking more like a 18 to 25 range. And yeah, this team definitely lacks 30 home run hitter in the middle of the order. There's no doubt about that. But if you get a guy who can hit 280, who gets on base at a 340, 350 clip, and because he walks quite a bit, doesn't strike out, puts the ball in play. If you're getting 25 home runs from that kind of guy or 22 to 25 home runs from that guy, that's a valuable player. And yeah, it's only at first base. So the values dinged a little bit in terms of um, positional flexibility and 
you kind of want more offense out of that sort of guy. Yeah, I definitely understand that. There's a lot of people out there who really like Kyle Manzardo and think that he could have above average power and hit 25 homers um, and have a healthy walk rate. And he might be able to hit close to 300, if not, you know, right below it. Um, it's definitely a hit over, over power profile, but it's not like he doesn't have power. You know, like I said, this is not a, a Stephen Kwan type. This is not a Tyler Freeman type. This is not, I'm trying to think of other, other examples here. These, this is not, you know, Miles Straw. We're talking about a guy who is, does, is close to having, you know, average power. And, and it's not, like I said, it's not a, a 30. I don't even know if Josh Naylor is a 30 home run hitter, but what if I told you that Kyle Manzardo was Josh Naylor? Would you take another Josh Naylor on this team? I would. I think that would be a great fit for this team. I don't see why Kyle Manzardo can't become that guy. I I don't know if he's going to necessarily have as much power as Josh Naylor, but Josh Naylor has never maxed out his power either. Let's be honest here. Josh Naylor has 70 grade raw power. He can hit the heck out of the baseball. Um, he has never gotten to all that. And even as good as he is this year, like Josh, Josh Naylor is a, is, is a 40 home run type power guy. He just doesn't get to all the power. Um, he's still a valuable hitter and a good hitter. He's really blossomed this season. Kyle Manzardo doesn't have 40 home run power, but Josh Naylor has never gotten to that. I think what, what Josh Naylor is doing this season is I think what Kyle Manzardo can get to. I don't think he has the power upside Naylor does, but Naylor has never realized all of that. But I would take another Naylor in this lineup. I absolutely would. I think you're talking about even maybe a Yandy Diaz type. You're talking about a guy who walks plenty, who, you know, is going to hit 20, 20, you know, it took a while for Yandy Diaz to get there. And this is, and this is the nice thing about Manzardo is that he gets the ball in the air. So you're not worried about whether or not he's going to hit for power um, because all the balls are on the ground. None of the balls are on the ground here. Okay. Um, it's not a three true outcome guy. It's not, he's, he is kind of a nice balance of what Cleveland does want. It seems like, you know, yeah, Cleveland hasn't drafted any of these 30, 40 home run hitters. They've drafted a lot of guys who have turned into 270, 280 hitters who can hit five to 10 homers. Manzardo is kind of the middle of those things. I think Manzardo is what you're hoping for with some of these guys, right? You're hoping that they have this, this great hit tool that they can unlock some more power out of. Whereas you don't have to take it that far to get Manzardo to the power you're hoping for. Like you're going to get maybe, like I said, 20 to 20 to 22, maybe 25 home runs out of him with a good average and a good, and a good ability to walk. You know, you don't have to, and you won't have to sacrifice, you know, batting average. And I know his batting average triple A is down. Uh, batting average on balls and play is down a little bit, um, which I think he's getting a little bit unlucky. He's pulling the ball plenty this year. He's getting the ball in the air plenty. He's hitting a lot of line drives. I think he's gotten a little unlucky at AAA, to tell you the truth. I know he has a shoulder issue right now. Guardians expect him to be back sometime this season. He's working back from the strain. He hasn't signed serious anywhere. I haven't heard anybody super concerned about that. And a lot of Rays people think that he's going to be an impactful hitter and soon. There's a lot of people who really like him from the Rays side of things. So, uh, like I said, this is not a guy who I – mean, he's not going to help the Guardians this year. Let's be honest about that. He is not. Um and unless they make another move here, I should I guess I shouldn't really jump the gun too much because who knows if they make another move with uh, with Josh Bell. Josh Bell hasn't certainly not you know panned out the way everybody hoped. He 
probably is going to opt into his contract next year because he hasn't done well and he's not going to get a better deal on the free agent market. I don't know if the Guardians can move him. I really don't. Um, that's a big question right now. So if they could move him, maybe, then you might see Manzardo sometime this year. But I think regardless, he's not coming up and making like, you know, a division race impact this year. And I know I said that the Guardians didn't make this trade with that in mind. And I still think they make this trade in a lot of situations, regardless of where they are at in the division anyway. But uh, I think Manzara can be a really good prospect. I think he can hit. Uh, I just think it's lazy to automatically go to the uh, Tampa Bay, Jake Bowers, blah, blah, blah. They they rip us off every time. Look, the Rays are tough to trade with. The Guardians are. That's that's why the Rays, the only team won't let to trade with the Guardians because they're difficult to trade with. Um, in a lot of cases, they they do well in trades elsewhere. And with the Rays, it hasn't worked out yet. But, um, you know, like I said, I think they cashed in on, on Savali's value. And there's a lot of people out there who really like Manzardo a lot more than they ever did Jake Bowers, if you're really stuck on that whole comparison. Uh, I think they're very, they're two very different players to tell you the truth. Um, and I think Manzardo winds up getting to a little more power. I think Manzardo again is, is, is about, I don't know. I think he's further ahead offensively than Bowers really ever was. Uh, let's talk about who's, who replaces Savai in the rotation. Let's talk about the impact on first base uh, as we wrap up this edition, a trade edition of lockdown guardians. Guardians and Astros game two on Tuesday at 8.10. Make sure you are listening to all of the action on your SiriusXM app. Just search Guardians on the app. Who replaces Savali? Well, immediately, uh, Noah Syndergaard takes a spot on the roster. He pitched on Monday. And again, you're not going to hear me cover the Monday the Monday game between the Astros and the Guardians on this episode because we're just going to focus on the Aaron Savali trade. So, Check back for uh, Wednesday's episode for more action on that. Immediately, Noah Syndergaard and look, uh, Peyton Battenfield was scratched on Saturday from his start. Or I think it was Friday. He pitched on Sunday. Kind of seems like they had him lined up just in case the trade happened earlier. That kind of explains things now, I think. So that um, immediately think that Peyton Battenfield might be part of the the rotation going forward, at least in the short term. Mm-hmm. Chris Antonetti did talk about Hunter Gaddis. He talked about Joey Cantillo. Hopefully one of those guys will be an option as well, especially it would be nice to, to see it be Cantillo. Um, we'll see. His last start was okay. It wasn't, it was, it was good on the surface. I think there were some things below that, that needed some work, but that's not why we're here. Uh, so I think immediately it's going to be Battenfield. I would say he'll probably take the next turn of the rotation just because it's like that it lined up. But we'll see. So in the in the short term, it's going to be Battenfield. It's going to be Gaddis at some point. I think we may get a look at Joey Cantillo. That'll be exciting as well. Uh, in the long term, the Guardians are hoping in a few weeks to get Cal Quantrill back. So hopefully he'll take one of those spots as well. And, you know, fingers crossed in September, you've got two pitchers that are really good that hopefully they don't need surgery and they can pitch in September. Who knows what uh, what that'll look like by then. I don't, I don't know. I, I the Guardians continue to say they're hopeful, but, you know, that's what they're going to say anyway. And I think anything you get from them, to be honest with me, with you is a bonus. I think I, I don't think anything you get from Beaver McKenzie is a bonus. You can't count on it. I think you're just lucky if you get out of this with uh, 
without surgery with those two. So yeah, Quantrill hopefully comes back and gives you something in in, in the meantime, Battenfield and Gaddis, and hopefully we'll see Cantillo at some point. Um, Guardians are hopeful of those two. As far as first base is concerned, I don't know why. I, I shouldn't even give credence to this, but there are people out there like, oh, what are they going to do with Josh Naylor? Josh Naylor is not going anywhere. I mean, in the offseason, if you're talking about, you know, value, cashing in on value, maybe maybe they could trade Josh Naylor peak value. I don't think they will, but I guess they could explore it after the season. It's not going to be this year. The Josh Bell thing, I think if they could find a taker for his contract, I think they would do it, to be honest with you. Uh, it has not worked out. I don't think he's been any good lately. And he's going to opt in the next year. I think they're kind of stuck with Josh Bell unless they, God, would they, would they pay down his salary? I don't know, to to move him. We'll see. Um, and I don't think, that's why I don't think Manzardo comes up this year, but we'll see. If they can find a taker for, for Bell, that would be awesome. Uh, and you could see Manzardo this year. But again, Manzardo is probably not due back for another couple of weeks with his injury. And it'll be past the train deadline, and they talked about him going to AAA. So I think that the think the course is that Bell is here this season. I think Bell could be gone in the offseason. They can finally take a burst contract. We'll see about that. Uh, I don't think they'll just outright release him if he picks up his option. They still have to pay him. I don't think that'll happen. So we'll see. In terms of first base, I mean, look, this organization doesn't have a lot of first base. And I like Mike Caprice. I don't know if he's a starter long term, to be honest with you. Um, John Kenson, well, I think you've heard me before talk about, I just don't think he's going to hit the big league level. He has not figured out triple a pitching whatsoever. Hits a couple of four, you know, 400 foot home runs. And then after that, it's a lot of nothing. So he's a first baseman in name only. I mean, I don't, I don't see him playing outfield. I don't think he's, he's okay outfielder. He's definitely not a third baseman. So this fills an organizational need in terms of a prospect at first base. They didn't have, um, We'll see what happens. I, I, it's not not first base is not a strong position for them in the minors, and I think uh, right away Manzardo was a top five prospect in this organization. I think he goes in right around Rokio and, and a couple other pitchers in the minors. We'll probably talk about that more after the trading deadline ends. Again, just walk away knowing that this trade doesn't necessarily have to do with where the Guardians are in the standings this year. It has to do with Savali's value and getting. Out, you know, trading him before he gets hurt again and getting something that's going to be a huge organizational boost. You hope with Manzardo. Let's not say for sure, but there's a lot of people who like him. The talent is certainly there. The numbers have been in there in the minors. Um, you're getting, hopefully you're getting something of value for Savali. And I don't, I don't mind the trade at all. If this works out, if it doesn't work out, I don't know. I still think making the move, moving Savali now makes a lot of sense given his value. If they got a good deal out of it, time will tell. Uh, this is not a trade you can grade right now. And, and if you're reading anybody who thinks they're grading the trade right now, they have no idea what they're talking about. They don't. This is the trade you're not going to be able to grade for a while. Um, hopefully, you can start grading it as soon as next year. We'll see. I don't necessarily think the Guardians are out of the race at this point. I think they're still very firmly in it in terms of the AL Central. I really don't know what they were going to add. Maybe they still will add to the major league roster this year. But again, I think this is a trade that they make regardless of their divisional standing. I don't think it had a whole lot to do with where they were. I think it had to do with the opportunity to get Kyle Manzardo regardless of where they were. So 
that's my takeaway. Let me know in the comments your thoughts. I'm sure everybody's got lots of thoughts on those. Um, again, check back Wednesday for an episode on the Astros and Guardian series. We're going to leave this episode because there was so much to talk about in this trade. So thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading, reviewing, all that stuff. It helps. Uh, go, go, Guardians, go. And uh, hope the best for Kyle Manzardo. <laughs>